So I was 18, in the middle of Burundi, Africa. My dad had come with me, but was leaving the day after to go back to Nairobi, Kenya to speak, and then ultimately to go home. And it was around 8 p.m. at night, about 30 degrees, and uh, 30 or so people had filled the room, teachers, leaders, orphanage directors, etc., had gathered into a room, and Dad went round to the room, encouraging them, praying for them one by one, laying hands on them and blessing them, and um, prophesying life over and into them. And I had been grappling that day that I wouldn't see my dad for a long time, that it would be a year that I would see them again, see dad and family, but he was the last uh, sort of uh, remnant of home that was with me. And uh, finally, he got, came round to me and prayed for me. He, he kissed me on the head and filled me with courage and told me that he was proud of me. And it was a moment in time that was vivid and still is vivid to me. It almost was like a commissioning into manhood, if that makes sense. A sense of you are now ready to enter into the world without me. And I needed courage. Would I make good decisions? Would I be a blessing in that space? Would I feel lonely? Would I connect? Would I be liked? Would I feel afraid in the lingering fighting and bombings that were sporadically happened? Some mostly far away, but sometimes close. And my dad's blessing filled me with a sense of, this is right. I'm meant to be here. And I was ready through his acceptance and through his blessing. And the same words from anyone else in that room would have meant nothing to me. Interesting that, eh? It's really not the power of the words that come to us. It's the who the words come from. Yeah. But from my dad, they meant everything. I felt in that moment his pride and both his, and his love. So I was already very eager to be a blessing and be really liked in that space. You know, that was my woo, just turning it up, 18. But, you know, when you're 18, your woo is kind of sort of semi-unlikable. Um, however, these people had given up everything to serve their, their homes, their finances, everything they'd laid it on the line to be there. And I didn't want to add to the burden. I didn't want to be one of those stories, you know, that when I left, they were like, thank the Lord Almighty, he is gone. Because I, I actually, there were quite a few people over there that thought that would be a great blessing that definitely were not, that people were really grateful to wave them goodbye at the other end. Now, the owner of the home that we'd had this meeting and the 30 or so people in, had a reputation for being excessively aggro and pretty grumpy. Now, bear in mind, this is a lady that, in the middle of genocide, uh, was rescuing children from bushes, rescuing children from bloodied bodies. She herself rescued a child and then a, 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 just an infant, and then a rebel came over, grabbed the baby, chopped the baby's head off. Like, those are the experiences of the people that were there. Significant. They'd been, she'd been through lots, and as a result, she was a bit of a tanifa, you know, slightly terrifying. And uh, earlier in the night, I had spilled a red drink on a white couch in her house, and we had not yet met. And uh, the school director was sitting next to me, whose name is, oh, if we can chuck those slides up, please. This is Ray and Mary Ann. Um, Canadian family, and uh, he saw it happen, and he quickly placed a white pillow over that stain, winked at me, and said, I guess you'll find out later, but let's not introduce you to her like this, and uh, he would become a father to me whilst I was there, 
And it was like that moment was like a real warming moment for me of like, oh, he will be a safe person for me. And he was. He became a father figure for me in that entire duration. And he and his wife, Marianne, they would feed me, tell me off, encourage me, ask me questions, challenge me. We would go on walks and runs together almost every single day. And he would tell me how he almost became a professional ice hockey player if it weren't for injuries. Uh, and that was true. He was the man. And I would tell him how I had to let the dream of the All Blacks go in order to serve the Lord in the mission field. I was lying. Ray blessed me, and he blessed me sometimes very intentionally, but mostly he blessed me by allowing me to be part of his life, ordinary, his love and his imagination. And his love covered me as I transitioned away from my family and my dad's safety. I learned even then that in the absence of my earthly father, God would provide fathers to cover, guide, and protect me. And he has done that my whole life. I remember many times when dad would be overseas and some of the people that I saw as like uncles in our church community would come pick, pick me and my brothers up and take us on little trips to McDonald's and other things. Just in the absence of my father at times, we've got the presence of many other fathers. And if you're a, a single mom, I just want, I want to say this, that I want you to trust that God will bring fathers into your children's lives. Because they actually need them, and so do you. But if, if you're a father of a child, and if you're a father of a child not biologically yours, you're heaven's answer to their biological father's brokenness. So love covers a multitude of sins, and trust me, God will use you as love to cover. And I just want to say that, because today, you know, many times you get to a Father's Day type message, and it's like, the men need to do this, and they need to do that, and challenge. But we're actually not going to do that today. We're just going to bless our men. We're going to whakamana ngātāne katoa because actually our world does an incredible job of shaming them, of belittling them, of making them feel small. And we're not going to do that in this place. But I just want to acknowledge, right, that in the lifting up of men, uh, we're not trying to at the same time pull down our wahine. Kapai? Awesome. So, Anytime today. All right, can you just click on the next one? Thanks. I reira, ka haere a ihu i ka riri ki horana, ki a huani, ki a iriri e ia. O tira, ka whakakāhore a huani ki a ia. Ka mea, ko te tikanga rā, ko a hau ki a iriri a e koe, a e haere mai ana koe ki a hau. Nā, ka whakakoki a ihu, ka mea ki a ia. Tukua rā aene, ko te tikanga hoki tēnei mātaua, kia whakarite i ngā mea tika katoa. Nā, tukua nā ia ia ia. A, nō ka oti, a ihu te iriri, tika tonu ake ia i te wai. Nā, ko te rangi katuwhera ki a ia. A, ka kitea ia i te wairua o te atoa e heke iho ana me he kūkupapa. A tauana ki runga ki aia, nā ko tētahi reo no te rangi e me ana, ko tāku tama tēnei i aroha ai, ko tāku i āhua reka ai. Then Jesus, appear, or Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee, and he wanted John to baptize him. And John objected, I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. 
And the moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. See, everything Jesus did was to embody the way. Nothing was coincidental. Nothing was accidental. It was all obedience to the Father. But do you know what the secret of Jesus' ministry was? It was those words, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. In the NIV, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Children that are obedient because of fear are disconnected, frightened, and afraid of failure. And they're disconnected relationally too because the person that they're trying to obey is a threat. But children that are obedient because of love, well, that's because they trust the intent of the person offering the instruction. And when God the Father blessed God the Son, it was a tohu to all humanity, a sign that this is where your power comes from, the love and acceptance of the Father. And I think sometimes we forget that. Our power comes from not from our morality, not from our attendance, not from our ability to sing songs on a Sunday, not from our ability to be kind. Our power comes from the very words of heaven. You are my son. You are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. See, when I was kissed on the head by my father, I was trusted in that moment. My dad's blessing was to say, you are enough. You will be okay. Kia kaha, kia maia, kia manua nui. And if my dad on earth does that, how much more does my father in heaven do that? Uh, at the moment, just a slight tangent, always relevant, me and David are deep in the waz, right? The warriors, the journey, okay? And so we just got, can we just chuck that slide up, please, guys? Stay with me. So when me and David watch the warriors, it is a full body experience, the seats are sometimes used, but mostly not. And when we are winning, man, we are winning. There are handshakes, and um, where's David here? No, he's, yeah, he is. We're like, he knows, hey, you know, right? There's handshakes. It's not just one handshake. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It just keeps going on and on and on. Up the was. My son walks around the house going, up the was. It's so good. Uh, we're walking around doing like NBA celebrations, like ta ta, and all of this stuff is happening. There is shouting unless the kids are asleep, and then it's whispering, which is like shout whispering, which is like yeah, yeah. This is what is happening when the father blesses his kids, commissions them, and they hear it and they receive it. Heaven erupts, and it is louder than any Warriors fans could ever be. It is euphoric. The heavens understand that children that receive love are forces to be reckoned with. Oh man, look, Tirangi has accepted my love for him. Let me release him into the earth. Let me kiss him on the head and say, I am with you. And I will walk with you. I will fulfill the dreams and the plans in your life. I will see to it that you become a man of great integrity, that you become a father to many that you are more than your giftings, but you are a man of deep character that is a kind presence in the earth that leaves a lasting legacy. That's what happens when you accept the love of the Father. 
up the wires. See, when I was kissed on the head, I was seen. We can hop off that slide. Cool, it'll just distract me. I'll start talking about like, whoa, yeah. The truth is that many messages that occur on Father's Day are like, they're almost kind of provocative. Like, men need to do better. You need to lead your families better. You need to do this better. And I just feel a tiredness of that. The reality is, is that often we get to church and we're trying our best, aren't we? As people full stop, men, women, we're all trying our best. And if we forget that our power comes from first, the love and acceptance of heaven, we're going to try and do this our own way, and it just doesn't work. Some of you are dads to your kids, and you didn't know your dad. Or at least you had a dysfunctional and a cold relationship with your dad, and you haven't stopped to celebrate the fact that you're there, that you are trying, that you are present, that your kids are going to know you. They're going to know that they can call you. You need to celebrate how much of a win your life is. You are miracles. And I want to bless you today and unburden you from the burden of comparison. You're doing just fine, dads. Now, I, I need you to know today that you're very loved, that you're very important. And do you know what your absence would mean for your kids? It would be devastating. You are needed and you're doing great. And some of you aren't dads yet and maybe won't become dads, but the dysfunctional place or absence of your real, that your real dad has had on your life has been devastating. And yet you are still turning up, still letting walls down, still risking relationships and letting people see you and know you. And the failure of your father does not make you a curse in the world. The failure of your father, when met with the love of your heavenly father, will make you kind, tender, and healing. And the truth is that all of our dads fall short of loving us like God does. So we look for what they did well. Even if at the base minimum it was part of just, well, he was part of creating me. That was it. We acknowledge that our heavenly father will transform, transform how our earthly fathers hurt us into a power of love that heals others. And the father will take how our earthly father loved us and empower us to love the world around us similarly. In the last couple of years, I've watched three dads be quite incredible in the face of suffering. I watched them be prayer warriors and, and pillars of strength, their wives and for their children or their child. And um, if you could just chuck that first slide up. I just want to acknowledge some people that we've prayed for in the last couple of years. This is Will Poise. He's the young adults and youth pastor at Arise and um, a good friend. And this is them with baby, baby Kirehi when the doctors basically said, look, your child is going to die. They prepared to get the coffin. And Will was a non-anxious, praying, flippin' warrior throughout all of this. And I watched him be a pillar of kindness and peace and all of these things a non-anxious presence in the time that he should have been full of anxiety and the doctors told him to prepare prepare for death but will began to pray and prepared for life and moving on next one when baby florence was born jordan and rebecca had to face some harrowing news about her health 
life and death again in the balance. And when I came to the hospital to pray with them, I wasn't met with fear, but absolute faith. But it wasn't naive or like a toxic positivity. It was a deep sense of knowing that God had promised life in the face of death. And Jordan himself said to me, I just know that she will be healed. It's not if, but when. And I walked in and I received his faith and we began to pray. And Florence will grow up knowing that her dad trusted the Lord for her life. In the face of excruciating fear, her dad believed. Whoa, sheesh. It's quite emotional. Sweaty eyes. Right. And I've journeyed with, from afar, and we've journeyed together actually as a community with dear friend James. James was the first person that gave his heart to Jesus in our church community. And it hasn't been smooth sailing, and yet, when baby Hemi was born and had a cardiac arrest, not breathing for a significant amount of time, the doctors again prepared he and his partner Pauline for the worst. They did not leave their son's side, barely sleeping for weeks on end. They already have two boys with high-end autism. Um, James told me that he was used to sleeping between two to three hours a night and working like massive hours during the week. And... Um, here they are juggling kids and being beside their little baby at all times. And James fought for his little boy in prayer and belief and in presence. And yesterday, they moved Hemi out of ICU into another unit for babies who are being monitored closely. Awesome, right? Okay, we can chuck that slide off. That's awesome. So these dads will leave legacies of belief in the face of fear, legacies of prayer, legacies of sacrifice. And I want to bless our dads today. We need you. Your kids need you. We don't tell you enough. Well done. Well done. I want to acknowledge today, just, I'm just going to acknowledge some people. And um, I just want to acknowledge Andy today. I just I acknowledge you, man. Like the steadfast love that I see and how you enter into a relationship with Lockie and Jackson. And from the time that they've born, you've always said, like, I love spending time with my boys. They're my favorite people next to Joe. It's a good answer. But I want to bless your deep love for your children, Andy. You know, for the people that know your story, that in itself is a remarkable thing. A remarkable thing. You have broken the cords of intergenerational death, bro. Bless you. May you be blessed by the Lord, brother. I want to acknowledge Roman today. Aston is your first thought, not your last. Your love for him, desire to lead him well, desire to encourage him and offer him is inspiring. You're his hero, and rightly so. Bless you. Bless you. You're standing on the shoulders of what your dad gave, and you're giving far more. You're amazing. And I want to I wanna just acknowledge, uh, like, there's so many fathers in this place that you need to be honored today and acknowledged you're just doing really well even if you feel like you're not even if you're just struggling or whatever it might be or even if you're feeling like oh you're seeing all the stuff online and you're seeing what you should be and you're living in that should reality I just want to set you free from the should it's okay be who you are we take little step after little step 
So I wanna, the, the stats I could read about father's impact and the impact when they aren't around are remarkable. And the impact of absent fathers who choose not to be in their kids' lives are child mistreatment, poverty, violence, drugs. Like, it's, it's devastating to read. And you are needed. And many of our men are feeling like this isn't true. Our men in New Zealand are highly criticized and highly scrutinized, and over 70% of all suicides in Aotearoa are from men. One in eight men will experience serious depression in their lifetime. And that number is rising, and that's only those that go and get help. That's the only ones that they can know of, let alone all the ones that are just silently struggling. And there is a sadness in this land that covers many men. And I think it's probably connected to some of our colonial story and the disempowering of men right at the beginning. But we haven't been good at seeing it, I think. And many of our men live not feeling enough, enough feeling condemned, feeling too broken to be worthwhile, or feeling tired. And I want to exist today in this one service just to say we bless you. Amidst all the gender conversations that go on today, there is a place that the biological dad has in the child's life that cannot be replaced by another. And I I just want to say that, again, we don't live in ideals. We live in real. And so where that isn't possible, God brings people in to meet gaps and to bring healing and to bring restoration, okay? So please don't feel condemned by that. But wives, if you don't encourage them, if you don't see them, and if you don't let them know that they're doing amazing, you don't understand the power of your voice in their lives. See, when men get married, your belief, your words become the most important words to them. Not that of their father, not that of their mother, your words. Your words more, are more precious or more cutting and painful. And our dads need what, their wives to bless them and encourage them. So one night, a while ago, I was lying in bed with Hawaii and he said, Papa, guess what? I usually know what's, what's following when he says, guess what? And I said, what's that, son? And he goes, I love you. Oh, thank you, son. I love you too. Papa, we're best friends, eh, me and you? Yes, son, we're best friends. Cuddled into my chest, fell asleep. What a privilege. And I felt like the best dad in the world in that moment. I felt loved by God through my son. If you're a parent, you will know what that feeling is like. Being loved by the father through your kids. Just, wow, so beautiful. But dads, hear me today. Your strength, it doesn't come from being macho or tough. From boxing your feelings or building walls. It doesn't come from working hard and providing. It doesn't come from any of those things of what it requires you to be tough or strong or all of those things. It comes from hearing over your life, this is my son, and with you, I am well pleased. And you need to hear it. Whether you're a dad, just a tiny full stop, but actually whoever you are, you need to hear it. You're my daughter, you're my son, with you I am well pleased. When you have the Father's approval, you can do anything. You can run through walls and you can run through whatever the obstacle is. You can face accusation and slander. You can walk through pain. You can walk through all of it because you know who's got your back, who believes in you, who stands with you, who walks with you. And again, I just want to acknowledge all of those that are in situations that haven't been ideal Please don't feel condemned. This is not what this is meant to be. 
Single moms, you're flipping amazing. Holy heck. When I have the kids by myself, I'm like, I just need to remind myself of what the emergency number is. So hard, right? Every time I do that, I'm like, wow, my wife is a legend. We don't live in in ideals, we live in the real. But we do want to take moments to say, Papas, you're awesome. Some of you have been grinding, dads, and and God's not actually asking you to grind. He's not asking you to sacrifice your family on the altar of provision. He wants you to rest in him and get revived today. So, one of my favorite stories, and I've told it in this church before, one of the guys that was a bit of a father to me in my own journey, Greg Burson, he said, told me this story, he's got so many freaky stories, but... He told me this story, which is one of my favorite stories, being in this big church in America. He's praying for people at the end of the, of, of the service in a ministry sense. And this really large guy comes walking down the aisle, like an aisle like this. And he's like shaking, like as he gets there. And uh, he kind of walks straight to Greg. And, um, and Greg's praying for him. And then he hears God say, stand behind him. He goes, Okay. So he stands behind him. Then he hears God say, wrap your arms around him. And he's like, mm, this is feeling weird. So he does. Wraps his arms around him. This guy's shaking like this. And then what does the guy do? He lunges forward like that. So now he's on top like this, like bouncing like this on top while this guy's standing up, bouncing up and down. And he's just like, I don't want to get I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to leave. Hits the ground. Now his hands are stuck underneath. And, uh, and he hears God say, kiss him on the back of the neck. And he's like, bruh. Maybe those were my words. But that's what, that's what I'd be going, nah, bruh. And he looks down at his neck at the rivers of sweat that are just cascading down his wondrous neck. And kisses him on the neck, pulls his arms out gets his Bible. He's like, yeah, yeah, Kakeets, I'm out of here. See you later. He goes to a restaurant later. They take him out for, for dinner. And he, he hears this big voice and he walks around the corner and there's the guy. And the guy turns around and sees him and he's like, and there he is. And he's like, no, I thought I escaped you. Anyway, so he went over and the guy begins to explain to him that when he gave his heart to Jesus, his father um, they're a Jewish family, and his father completely rejected him, cut him off. Now, the way that a father in Jewish customs would pass on an inheritance and a blessing was to kiss them on the back of the neck. Nailed it. You would want to nail it, eh? You would want to do that and be like, God, you better be, if you're just like mocking me right now, like we're going to have this conversation in heaven, I swear. Uh, But when my dad kissed me on the head and commissioned me into the life before me, it was a, you are my son, with you I am well pleased moment. But I've been having those moments an awful lot in my life. Not just with my dad, but with my father. And I've had to come back time and time again. I've needed to hear, I've needed to hear God say to me, son, I'm so pleased in you. Otherwise, you know what I try and do? I try and earn his love. I try and please him. I try and work really hard. I try and do all of these things that I should do. And God's like, no, no, work 
out of the reality that I am pleased with you. Out of that reality, I am pleased with you.